0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad, and your coffee, and let's dive in. It's been a heavy week. And I don't think anybody in their right mind is okay with what happened at the Capitol. A couple people lost their lives destruction the rioting you know we've been so consistent throughout this year in regards to all this stuff and as your pastor I just want to make sure and reiterate that if, if certain things aren't clear let me try in just about two minutes to unpack again to make sure that we're clear on how do we move in the midst of all of this we've been really consistent and clear all throughout 2020 Uh, we are an anti-racism church uh, because it's our biblical mandate this is this is what jesus calls us to we we see jesus breaking through barriers racially and class wise and all throughout the scriptures it's 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 very clear that's just who god has called us to be one of our values here is we are multi-generational and multi-ethnic it's about the kingdom You know, the Bible speaks about what heaven will be like. And can I just tell you, every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be represented there. That's just who we are. As far as uh, rioting, we've been against that from the beginning. Destruction of property and hurting people, that's not the heart of God. doesn't matter who you are or what side you're on, it's just not the heart of God. And we've been consistent in that space. You know, I I think as far as peaceful protest, it's not a biblical mandate. It is a right that we have in America that we're so grateful for. So yeah, man, we're we're all for peaceful protest. Um, people to exercise the freedoms and the liberties that we have in this great nation. You know, it's it's a time right now that's that's been so divisive, and I, I really expect it from the world, but not the church. Once again. People just canceling each other, ripping each other. It's like we, we struggle so hard with conversations these days. But as your pastor, I want you to know this, I, you know, we, we live in this tension. And we're okay with that. I'm going to show you a picture that's going to make you uncomfortable. This is your pastor. 2,000 people came to our city for a peaceful protest for Black Lives Matter. And that's me here to serve our city, run to the pain, run to the brokenness. That's what, what God has called us to do. I don't align with Black Lives Matter as an organization. I love black people, but I, I do not affiliate myself with them in, in any form or fashion. But I'm also not afraid to go to places where I disagree with people fundamentally. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with entering into that space. I'm secure. And this is also your pastor being sworn in as the chaplain of our city. Love our law enforcement, anti-police brutality, totally against it. And every law enforcement person in our church, many of which, uh, I mean, multi-ethnic, but many are black and Hispanic, would say they're not for police brutality either. That's just the reality. Why am I here getting sworn in? Because I'm called to serve our city. I Like, one of, one of the beautiful things about being a Christian is, again, we have to be secure with going into different spaces where we don't align, whether we don't believe the same or philosophically we're not aligned because God has called us to engage the world as followers of Jesus. Like, like we, we can't be afraid of that. I can't be afraid as your pastor of, of, oh, well, if you go here, they may think you're aligned here. If you do this, they may think you're aligned that way. I, I don't live in that space. Because there's one authority that I'm submitted to, and it's the Scripture. It's the Holy Bible, the Word of the living God, that really gives me the freedom to move in this space. Because I'm going to tell you what, Jonah didn't get to choose who he went to reach. If it was up to Jonah when God called him to Nineveh, Jonah tried to run away from that call because he hated the people, quite frankly. He said, God, I know if I go there and preach the gospel, they're going to get saved. I don't want them to get saved. They've hurt us. They've wounded us. I want them to perish. We don't get to pick and choose the people that we reach, that we run to. And it's not about sides. I don't live a little bit on each side of any of this. I live in tension as a citizen of another kingdom. See, see if, if you're looking at a football field, you have really three teams. You have the Niners. Lord bless them. You have the Raiders. Help us God. And then you have a third team called the team of officials. See, the team of officials, they're, they're not on either side. They're on the field, but they're not of the field. For they answer to a higher authority called the NFL, and they're there to bring order they're there to make sure that there's uh, some reconciling happening when there's differences. Sometimes they can be shady, though. They can kind of, you know, lean one way or lean another way. But this is what Jesus has called us to. The ministry of reconciliation. Can I just tell you that our church will always be a church, listen, with, that will not compromise the scriptures. friend. We will not compromise the scriptures. We just won't do that. Whatever that, whatever tries to put pressure here, pressure, we will not compromise the scriptures, and and if I am crucified for adhering to the scriptures, so let it be. I'm good with that. Our church is a a church that builds bridges, and one thing about a bridge is you get walked on by both sides. I've gotten walked on a lot this year. I'm good with that. That's part of living in the tension. But what's not okay is, div- is division in the church we've got to learn how to recognize that we are citizens of heaven before any of this politics before any of these things and i know this is a big conversation and if you're struggling we are here to have that conversation with you our doors are open our doors are open but could you imagine if we could model for the world that jesus is really alive by the way we love bear up with one another even when we disagree. We don't stab each other and wound each other. It's just, we gotta be more mature than that. You know, my job, Paul tells me, my job is to, uh, the Lord tells us through the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter four, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That that there will be this unified aspect in the faith That we're walking this out so we're not blown away by every wind of doctrine that comes through, by every ideology or assumption. Or no, there's there's a stability, there's a soundness. We live in the tension. And that's a beautiful place. In the world, not of the world. It's not about sides. It's about that our, our our world is in desperate need right now. Our nation. Is in desperate need of the gospel. And God forbid that we are afraid to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And Jesus' great promise is still with us today, and know that I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And so, If you're wrestling, if you're struggling, we're here. And we're gonna, we'll help you process biblically. And I just promise you, Jesus doesn't always say things that we want to hear, but we're here for you, we love you, we're praying for you, we're praying for our nation. Can you join me in prayer, Father? We just lift up our nation right now. Lord, we lift up the church. God, we just ask that you would come, Holy Spirit. We just pray this simple prayer, God, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we may reflect your glory bring glory to your name in jesus name amen you know we uh we got to contend for our leaders whether you like them or not contend for our leaders you know we've been faithful all throughout this entire process if it's you know george bush we're praying for george if it's barack we're praying for barack if it's trump we're praying for trump if it's biden we're praying for biden we cannot lose sight of our role as the church. And so today I want to talk to you about the narrow road, about the narrow road that Jesus invites us on. And the narrow road, it's uncomfortable. I feel the tension in the room. Some of you guys online, you're like, oh gosh, what's that? This is where we live. And you know what? I, I'm so good with it. Like, I've, just, I've just learned to, to embrace that, God, this road is difficult, it's, I mean, you got to imagine the, the, the different pressures and you, you say too much, you didn't say enough. You, I mean, it's just, woo. so I just want to make sure I'm living in a biblical tension and not tension that the world is creating, that, that I'm giving way to. But I think, you know, when we talk about arguments, there's been a lot of arguments recently, anybody ever argue and you lose sight of what you're talking about? Come on, and, and, and especially like husbands and wives don't act like you don't argue, like, oh, we do not argue. We just have <laughs> peace in our homes. Well, well I tend to be a, a slow driver. And so, like, on, on the road, <laughs> this is me. So, I'll drive in the fast lane and I have a thousand cars behind me. Are you, are you guys with me on that? Now, now, for me, it works great. And I don't know if it's from back in the day because it was like cruising. On a Sunday, right, I I don't know, maybe that's where I get it from, but a lot of times I'm I'm in thought, I'm I'm thinking about what I'm going to preach on, I'm looking at the trees, like. And and Jackie, she's a little bit different. She drives a little bit differently, and uh, she thinks a little bit more logistically, right? So I'm driving slow, and she's like, hey, uh, could you pick it up a little bit? You know, she's thinking we got kids in the car, we got to feed them, we got, we got to get them some nourishment. They're, we got to get home quick because they need to, you know, take their naps or go to sleep. And whenever she kind of insinuates that, she really works hard on her tone because she doesn't want to come across like she's judging me. So she'll work on her tone, but no matter how she says it, it still always comes out the same. Like, you're driving too slow. Can you speed up? And for me, I look and I'm like, well, uh, at least I stay on the road. Hashtags scraping all our rims and hubcaps on every car we've owned, right? Learn how to park, girl. I'll learn how to drive slow. And so, so then, then it, then it, the war is on. Well, I don't like pink. I don't like green. I don't like the 49ers. I don't like the Raiders. And then also we're going back and back and forth. And then we come to that place where we kind of laugh. You look at each other like, what in the world are we talking about? What are we arguing about? Sometimes it goes that way. Other times it just explodes and we end up fighting about 10 other things that we originally weren't even thinking about. And so we, we, we kind of start off with something specific and then we get distracted and then everything gets destructive. Are, are you tracking with me? Like, it was so bad. Like my daughter, Olivia, she was three years old and I'm driving and she's like, hey, dad. Can you go around traffic? Like, can you can you move around these cars? And I'm looking back, like, you are three years old. Like, what in the? And, and so, so Jackie corrects her and says, "Listen, Olivia, we don't tell Daddy how to drive." And Olivia looks and says, "Oh, so only you can?" Come on, God is a God of justice. He is a God of mercy. But, but we're focused on something very specific, and then we get distracted, and then it gets destructive. And this is what Matthew teaches us about the narrow road. He says, enter by the narrow gate. This is what Jesus teaches us. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Everybody say many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You see, the wide road many times is a distraction from the narrow road, and it leads us to destruction. I mean, come on, just everything that we're talking about right now, its so much erupting around us, right? If you're on social media, you are probably either needed to take a break or it's just so much stuff going on, it's, and it's so easy to get caught up in our feelings right now, to be led by our emotions, isn't it? And that can be a dangerous place. Like some of you guys are on social media just taking shots. just mm, mm, You got a little Muay Thai going. And I, as I'm looking through, I'm like, man, I, it's tough right now. And it's just so easy to, to let all these things kind of take over worry and fear. It's like, oh, my goodness, what's happening to our world we start to contemplate, man, is Jesus going to return soon? Is the mark of the beast on the horizon? Like, those are great great questions to ask. But then there's all these rumors and assumptions, lines being drawn in the sand. Yeah. And if we're not careful, judgments start filling our hearts. Then we, then we throw all these into the pot. Fear, worry, our nation, end times, you know, the economy. And we're just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it's just, it can be overwhelming, right? I, I'm... Moving about my week, just prayerfully and doing what God has called me to do. And I I find out some crazy stuff this week. 81,000 people since COVID happened have have died of a drug overdose. 81,000 in our nation. That's that's a lot of people. And then I'm talking uh, to a pastor this week and and he was just explaining to me, he's like, man, there's a lot of pastors that are leaving the Bay Area and churches that are closing. And so then you just throw that, man, suicides and drug overdose and COVID and, and people are leaving California and just like stirring it up. And then also, if you're not careful, you can find yourself in a moment of despair and you're just stirring all these things in the pot and you find yourself in a moment of despair. You're like, what do I do? And you go to Costco and buy a bunch of toilet paper, right? It's like, what in the world? But, but I want you to take a trip with me back to the ancient world. This is the old city of Jerusalem, and as we look at some of the ancient cities of the past, you're always going to see big walls, and walls were were there for a reason. They were there to keep the enemy out. They were there for security. So you're going to see all these different walls, and then surrounding the city, you're going to see gates, and there's going to be gates of all different sizes, big gates, wide gates, small gates, but the importance of the gate is, is really the gate that you enter determines the road that you travel. I love this quote by David Garland. He says, This saying assumes that the choice of gate will determine the state of the road. The imagery comes from the city and is surprising. If one is entering a city, a broad, constructed road normally leads to the king's palace or somewhere very useful and can be safely traversed. If one is exiting a city, a precipitous path would lead through robbers' territories. The Broadway offers a more pleasant excursion and avoids all danger, but the passage for followers of Christ, if they choose the right gate, will be a tight squeeze lined with suffering. Now, how many of you, that sounds really exciting, a tight squeeze lined with suffering? I want to follow Jesus. Let's go. Now, now if, you're, if you're William Wallace, when you hear that, you're like, let's do it. Yeah. Bring it on, right? You're excited about that. If you're not, if you're more like Dwight from The Office, you're like, the wide road sounds great. I'd rather travel down that road than a narrow road full of suffering. But, but the reality is is the gate sets the trajectory of where you and I are going to travel, which way we will go, who we will become, right? The, the gate is is really uh, this narrow gate that Jesus is inviting to. It, it's really He's calling us to respond to following him. Yeah. He's saying, man, come, come and follow me. Like, like, like the gate that we choose, it, it, it's gonna be wide or it's gonna be narrow. Like, will Jesus be Lord and King over our life and our heart or not? Will you follow me is the invitation that Jesus brings. Now, not all the gates in the city are wide, like I showed you. Like I said, some are just really narrow, they're small. And Jesus' invitation, it's it's narrow, but it's, it's, it's very specific. But it's also not a fast pass to heaven. Like, hey, just pray the prayer and, okay, got my salvation locked in. Now let me go live on the wide road. No, it's something completely different. It's, yeah, Jesus invites us to follow him. He is the savior of the world. Yes, we will receive eternal life. But as we enter through the narrow gate, we see that it's a brand new road on how to live our life. It's a completely different road, a completely different trajectory that we begin to follow him on. And so the the question begs is, is, why the narrow road? Why is it so narrow? And I love, I love how Jesus frames this. He says, enter through the narrow gate because. Everybody say because. because. Enter through the narrow gate because the gate is wide that leads to destruction. So Jesus is saying, do this for this reason, which is a warning. He, he's, he's warning us that there are consequences to the gate that we enter through. There are consequences to the road that we're traveling on. I remember uh, two years ago, I was in Montana, And we were out with a bunch of pastors, we're on this pontoon boat, and we park, we're deep into this lake, it was so pretty, and people are fishing, guys are swimming, but one of our guys is, we call him Montana Matt, he's just that wilderness guy, that you love, you're intrigued by his stories, he's the guy, he's young, but like two weeks ago I had a face off with the bear, and the bear stood down, he's that guy. And so I remember we we pulled the boat on the side of the shore, and he said, hey, guys, I think there's a pond with some great trout on the other side of this hillside, but I've never been there. Would you guys want to travel the road? Like, would you guys want to take the hike? And so only a couple of us said yes, actually only two of us. And so he said, all right, just stay very close behind me. Like, keep on my path because there's lots of bears, and you guys don't have weapons, and so how many of you guys know you're like, okay, Matt, I'm tracking with you, bro. Like, your foot's my foot. Like, we're in this together, you know what I mean? And so we get there, and it's beautiful. It's, it's like this little oasis, huge trout in this pond. We're like, yes. But then you get down there, and you're thinking, man, this is a great spot for a bear to come down and get something to eat. It's very easily accessed, right? And you just kind of have this, this sense of, oh, no. But, th- but that's, that's, that's the idea is there, there, there are consequences to the road that we travel. And Jesus, he uses two opposite gates that lead to two opposite ways, two opposite destinations with two opposite groups. And Jesus is using this, using this language as a rhetorical device, two ways to simplify all of our lives down to two decisions. And, and when you simplify all of our life down to two decisions, to following him or not following him, you can feel the gravity. You feel the weight of that. You feel the uncomfortability of that because he draws us to make a decision. And that's the tough part. When people encountered the real Jesus, many people walked away because he called them to a decision. Like the rich young ruler, like we talked about last week, he said, man, your money's your idol. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I just can't do that. It's too big of a decision just can't do that. But he was very clear. It was, you can follow me or you cannot follow me. And I think it's hard for us if, if we're just totally honest, because there's a big difference between the wide gate and the wide road and the narrow road. There's a big difference. Dallas Willard says it this way. He says, the broad gate is simply doing whatever I want to do. And that's what makes the broad gate so easy. It's like, I'm just going to make my own decisions. I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. Anybody ever say this? God, you know my heart. Like, I'm going to totally live in sin, but you know my heart, right? Yeah. Totally not going to follow you in this decision, but you know my heart. God's like, I do know your heart. And so, so we, we can find ourselves on this broad road. It's just, I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. And it's easy, or at least it appears to be easy. But then it doesn't end well. And many of us, we're now on the narrow road because we tried the wide road, and we're like, it doesn't work. But the narrow road, it's, it's, it's totally different, totally different than the broad road. For the narrow, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. It's, it's a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit hard, and those who find it are few. See, when you and I choose the narrow gate it, it's, we're, or choose to follow Jesus, we're, we're completely changing course. Are you guys with me on that? Like, like, we're breaking the default way of just going with the flow, just doing what I feel, making my own decisions. Like, we're completely breaking away from that. Like, if we follow Jesus, something has to change. And this is the hard part. It's the wide road, you can bring a lot of stuff. The narrow road, you're probably going to have to leave some stuff behind. And that's what makes it tough. I remember Dr. Henry Cloudy tells a story of this, this business guy took over a company that was worth $5 billion. Can you imagine $5 billion? And he noticed that really looking at all of the revenue, the majority of their profits were coming from 20% of the company. Like 20% of what they manufactured was really their lane. But then the other 80% was still profitable. And so it was kind of like, man, we're, we're doing great. So he comes in and he says, no. He says, hey, guys, we're going to take that 80% and we're going to cut it. And people were like, what? Like, it's profitable. We actually like this stuff. Like, it's, you want to cut it? And so it seemed a little, a little crazy to, to, to make that decision. It seemed a little narrow-minded. But they cut that 80% and he took that company by focusing just on the 20% from a $5 billion company. It's like a $50 billion company. And so sometimes the narrow road, it caught, we're well, like, we got to cut some things. we got to leave some things behind. And it's tough because I, I think the one thing that we hate to leave, like the, the number one thing that is the most tough for us to leave behind, it's, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. Oh, man, it's control. Yeah. Like, like the biggest thing that really keeps Jesus from being Lord of our life for the most part is control. And like our culture is filled with opportunities that fuel our idolatry to be in control. And like, like money. Doesn't money give you, can give you a false sense of control, right? It's kind of this illusion that I'm going to be okay. I got some money, got a little nest egg, got my 401k. Got and then now when you, you start to hear about the market shifting and maybe there's, your 401k is not going to be there. And then it's like, oh no, like I, I'm losing control. What's going on here? And some of us, we use power. Some of us, we don't like to, um, we stay away from anybody that can hinder us keeping a measure of power or authority, because somehow in controlling the narrative or the situation, we feel a little bit more in control and secure. What about sexuality? I, I, I mean, I, I think this is a big one. We, we understand that, that beauty can be seductive. And we understand that, man. We can use beauty to to manipulate people in such a way where they become addicted to us. You ever think about that? What, what about words? I think we can control a lot with our words. We can kind of help people alter their view of themselves or question their identity, so we keep them in a place of bondage and control. We can help. We kind of you know discourage them to a point where we we alter their self-perception and they're like, "Ah, I don't even know who I am and we have this kind of control over them. What about shame and guilt? Anybody ever used to get a guilt trip put on you when you did something wrong? Like, all right, guess you don't love me. Right? And, was, and re- really what we're trying to do is we're trying to control. How about religion? How about religion? You know, in our culture today, people say things like this, religion is used to control people. Okay, fair enough. And that's why we say we have a relationship with God. We're not, when people say, hey, I don't like religious people, I'm like, I'm not religious. They're like, you're not religious, you're a pastor. I'm like, no, I have a relationship with God. It's a big difference. Yeah. James said what religion, according to the scripture, is to take care of the orphans and the widows and to keep oneself from being unspotted from this world big difference, but when I talk about re- religion and people saying religion controls people, people try to use religion to control people, it, it's actually true, but, but I think the part that we miss is religion many times is used not to simply control us, but to control God because we are so terrified as we look out into the world, we're like, oh, Lord, I'm afraid, I'm insecure, I, I, I have, you know, fears of what's going to happen, I have desires that I really need to be met. Otherwise, I'm not going to be okay. And so what do we do? We want to use God to get what we want. Like, how better of a deal than to get God on your side to give you what you want? And so we're like, okay, well, God, I'm just going to follow you with everything so you can make sure, like, my family's good. I'm good. Everything is secure. But in reality, we're still trying to control things. Now, control isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Control is a fruit of the Spirit. Like, it's evidence of the Holy Spirit living in our life is self-control. Yeah. So I'm not talking about, like, we should have self-control over destructive things in our lives, over things that, that, that can cause pain and that are unhealthy. Absolutely. But I'm talking about when you need to hold on to control so much so that you hold on to your life so tightly that you stop trusting God, you stop depending on God, and what you're in danger of in that moment is trying to become God yourself. Yeah. And we just don't think about it like that, right? We, just, we don't think about how difficult it is to let go of control. I love how John Tyson put it. He says it this way. He says, Christianity is not primarily, primarily a plan of protection against the brokenness of the world, but a relationship with Christ in the midst of it. When we confuse those two, we end up using God as a kind of genie to ward off our existential angst. In other words, we start using, we start giving to God so we can get. I'm going to follow you because I want to get this. Like, I'm really not following you for you. I'm following you because I want my family to be safe. I'm following you because I want to be financially secure. I'm following you because I want to gain something. And there's a famous story of Charles Spurgeon. He, He tells this story. It's an old story. But it was a story of a kingdom, and, and there was a king. And there was a gardener in the king's kingdom. He the gardener owned a field right next to the king's field. And it's so cool because this gardener he he raised the largest carrot that he would ever raise, the best carrot that he ever grew. And he's like, I'm so grateful to the king. Like, I'm gonna give it to him. So he takes his big old carrot. I don't know if it was this big or this big. Like GMO carrot, maybe it was this big. (laughs) And he brings it to the king, and he says, your liege, this is a token of my gratitude. I love you so much. Thank you for being such a good king. I give you my best. And he walks away, totally content. And the king sees him walking away and says, "Hey, hey, you're that gardener that has a field right next to mine. You know what? Why don't you take that field of mine? It's yours. Do what you do. Steward it grow a lot of vegetables, enjoy. Like, you're a good dude. And so all this is taking place, and there's this nobleman at court. And he's watching this whole thing. He's like, man, that dude got a feel for a carrot. He's like, I'm way more wealthier than that guy. And he breeds champion horses, so he's like, okay. So he takes the horse, the best horse he'd ever raise or will ever raise, and he comes to the king and he says, Your Highness, you're such a good king. I love you so much. This is the best horse I'll ever I've ever raised or will ever raise and I give it to you as a token of my gratitude and the king's like thanks and then there's silence and he's like king's like can I help you like is there anything else you want to tell me king and the king said oh man I'm so sorry this is the 21st century version he says I'm so sorry he said, the gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. It was never about me. It was simply about you. And so, so I think so many times if we're not careful in our attempts to control and not let go of control... We, we can try to control God and it's really we're, we're not after God we're after his gifts and when we're constantly after his gifts and God isn't the goal and we get to the end of that road and we wonder why is there such a lack of God's presence and power in my life it's because it was never about him to begin with and so it's like God I want you in my finances I want you in my family I want you to help me get power I want you to help me in my career and in my marriage and in my relationships but the question is do we want him do we want him? But it's narrow. It's narrow. And it's, it's hard, right? So for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Like to make your own decisions. Oh, isn't it great? Like it's so easy when you make decisions, things go your way. It's just like, man, I love this. That's why Burger King's marketing campaign. Have it your way. It's easy around. It's a wide road. Do it, whatever. And somebody said, that ain't good. Um, it leads to destruction. No, no pun. If you like Burger King, Burger King, I love you. I hope you're doing well and thriving in the pandemic. Um, but, but, but it's easy. But see, when you're following Jesus and the Lord asks you to do something that contradicts what you want to do, that's hard. That, that's narrow. Can I just tell you this? If God can't contradict you, he's not God. If Jesus can't contradict you, he's not Lord of your life. He, and I, I, think about, I think about Peter. You remember Peter? Peter, there, there was this time where he denied Jesus. Jesus restored him, reinstated him, back on mission. So said, Peter, I love you. Peter's like, I love you too. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter said, man, I'm down. And then Jesus has this conversation with Peter and says, hey, Peter, they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. And, Pete, and Jesus was speaking about Peter's death, that Peter was going to die for the name of Jesus. Now, that's probably not the best conversation with God that you want to hear. Hey, uh, by the way, Matt, you're going to die for my namesake. Oh, well, thank you, Lord. So encouraging, right? <laughs> but but in, in all reality, what was taking place at that moment, Peter instantly goes to try to control. And he says to Jesus, he says, well, what about John? Is he going to die too? Like, I'm just the guy that's going to take the hit? I'm always the guy that takes the hit. Like, what about John? And John's standing by like, oh, man. And Jesus says, you know what Jesus tells? Jesus tells Peter this. He says, if I want John to live till I come, what's it to you? You follow me. All right. Point taken. So imagine Peter walks away from that conversation like, I'm going to die. It it can be hard. But now let me make it very clear. Salvation is not hard. Jesus paid that price in full on the cross. Salvation is a free gift. So it's not hard to experience forgiveness for your sins. It's not hard um, to, to have God redeem your soul. It's, listen, by faith through grace alone. Grace through faith. Are you tracking with me? Jesus made it very easy for us to come to him, to save us, to wash us. He paid that in full on the cross. So don't get that mistaken. But once we receive Christ and we enter now this narrow gate, this brand new way of life, it can be difficult. I I mean, parenting is difficult, but it's worth it. Marriage can be difficult, but it's so worth it. And so Jesus, I, I love Jesus because he doesn't pull any punches with us. He said, if you follow me, you're gonna to have to pick up your cross and follow. Like that's not an encouraging word in those days. If anybody wants to come after me, he must deny himself, shoulder his cross, and follow. Man, cross represented the crucifixion. Like, this is not going well. Lord, I it can be tough. Because Jesus invites us to die to ourselves, but in that process, he says, anybody who um, gives his life for my sake will find it. It's like this, 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 this crazy, you know, contradiction for us that, man, when we give up total control and surrender to him in that place, Jesus said, you will live your best life. You will find life and life more abundantly, not in the absence of difficulty, but in the very presence of difficulty. And so Jesus just doesn't say, hey, pick up your cross, shoulder, and follow me. It's going to be a long road of death. No, he points us again to the resurrection and says, man, there's, there's life on the other side of this. Like, you guys thought it was over with the cross, but I'm alive. I'm alive. The hope of the resurrection, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we, we have to to bask ourselves in the reality of the cross and resurrection, especially in the times that we're living in right now. we got to bask ourselves in this. Are you with me? And so, because it can seem tough, and, and you may be sitting here right now, you're like, you're tuning in online, you're like, I don't want that road. But it's amazing. I love how the writer of the Psalms described it. He says, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. See, the narrow road, it's not easy, but it's a happy road. Everybody say happy. But now you're like, I'm kind of confused because it doesn't sound very happy. It doesn't sound very exciting. But let me tell you, this is why you got to study your Bible. This word happy in the Hebrew, it comes from the word ashar. It means to go straight. It means to go on, to advance. This idea of blessing, of a fullness, of a moving from towards something else. I mean, I think as we're entering 2021, we're all like, I would love to advance. Like, can we just advance? Happy is the way, straight is the way. Like I love when we're we're walking with God. Isn't it such a beautiful place? Just like the guy in Montana told me, just stick right behind me, man. We're gonna have a great time. It's a little bit scary. We're gonna have a good great... just stick behind me. And so so I don't want you to get this confused. Like the narrow road, it may be tough, but there's life in the midst of this road. There's there's life on the other side of the destination. It's not just waiting for the destination now, it's a relationship or later. It's a relationship now. It's not just a destination later. It's a relationship now mm-hmm. in the midst of all of this. And I love it how the psalmist does not connect happy to a possession, mm-hmm. to a place. Mm-hmm. How often that's where we go? Yeah. Whew, just need to get away. Right. I just got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Whew, I need a vacation. But I can't go anywhere. <laughs> or maybe, you know, I'm stuck in this house. that just came out with the 85-inch. I need that TV. That's let me, just, let me just get fixed on that TV. Right? And it's just kind of a, a, a diversion. Notice how he doesn't connect it to a place or a possession, but to a person. Advancements, happiness, joy, blessing. It's never been connected to those things. You can find some temporary, momentary happiness in those things. But he's not talking about a temporary happiness. He's talking about a lasting, a deep satisfaction that goes with us, an anchor for our soul, if you would. It's a person, it's the person of Jesus. That's where advancement is found. That's where you're gonna live your best New Year's life in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of unrest, in the middle of all this stuff. It's on this narrow road that you're gonna find the straight path, that you're gonna find advancement, that you're gonna find joy. And blessing, I love how C.S. Lewis says it. He says, "God cannot give us happiness apart from himself because there's no such thing. Amen. There's no such thing. Again, this is not a feel-good moment. It's not a temporary fix or relief. This is a lasting, deep, enduring joy and happiness and advancement that's only found in Christ in Christ alone. that's only found on the narrow road. But notice how he connects fear of God and happiness. Like, normally we don't connect those things together, right? We don't say, I'm so afraid and happy. Like, like when's the last time you are afraid of losing your job and you were overwhelmed with joy? Unless you don't like your job. Maybe you were like, yes. <laughs> or you were afraid of the relationship going south. You're normally not happy at that time. It doesn't feel like you're advancing. But, but here, the, the, the fear of the Lord, it, it's a little bit different. See, a lot of times when we hear the fear of the Lord, what do, what do we think about? We, Some of us go right to intimidation. Like, I'm, I'm just not sure about, I'm already terrified of you, God. I'd be afraid of you. I, I already feel like the moment that I mess up, you're waiting to get the spanking spoon out. Like, I hear the drawer. You know what I mean? I hear the utensils. And that's how you live. You're just, is that a utensil moment? Am I hearing the the commotion and then some of us we just ignore the fear of the lord we're just like jesus is my homeboy he's my friend like we just totally dismiss it we don't want to kind of deal with the reality that he is still god almighty that he's still the sovereign one over all creation And so as we close right now, I want you to get this this, this picture in your mind that the fear of the Lord and happiness, advancement, they're they're, they're tied together because you can uh, be intimidated by the fear of the Lord. You could ignore the fear of the Lord or you can indulge in it. Like, Like, come on, like indulge with me just for a moment. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, that God is awesome and amazing, yet he's close to me. Oh, let that sink in. That He is righteous. He is holy. He is pure. Yet He holds me. He forgives me, and is gracious to me. Like, like, He is transcendent yet intimate. Like, like it's God of all creation. He's beyond comprehension. We can't even fathom His ways in regards to who He is. It's the questions that my kid asks. Well, who created God? Like. For real, we're going to have this conversation at 10 o'clock at night? He always was, always is, and will always be. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. Beyond comprehension, yet he steps into humanity. He steps into this world, puts on human skin, even though he's king over all. And he willfully goes to a cross to pay for your sin and my sin for a people that rejected him. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to think about the people right now that are making you the most angry. Right now, think about those people. like, That's exactly who we were when Jesus stepped in to our world. I mean, imagine this, I created you, and you're rejecting me. Woo. But I'm gonna willfully lay down my life on a cross to be in relationship with you. A relationship that will last forever, a relationship that will move beyond this life into eternity. And when you can indulge in the fear of the Lord, of his awesomeness, yet his closeness, of his power, Yet, yet, how, how gentle and personal he is. Oh, my goodness, this, this awe begins to lead to joy. And, and, it, and it's possible. This is my kids on the log ride. This is a perfect picture of terrified and fun at the same time. They're just like, ah! And they get off the ride. That was the best ride of my life. Oh, my goodness. Can we do it again? But right here, look at Abby's face. She is not sure. She's like, my stomach is tickling, but I'm terrified, but I'm having so much fun. This is going to be our 2021, y'all. This is the narrow road. Yeah. If you'll choose to embark on it. I-, I love what First John says. John says it this way. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. But notice the order. Notice it doesn't say walk just as he walks so you can remain in him. That's religion. No, when you remain in him, you'll walk as he walked. That as his spirit abides on the inside of us as we abide in his word. The Bible says that it's the spirit of God that makes us more and more and shapes us into the image of the Son. And if we say we remain in him, we should walk as he walked. It's a narrow path. It's a path of tension. It's a path less traveled. It's a path that the world thinks is ridiculous. Oh, but it's a path of happiness and advancement and blessing and joy. In the midst of all the chaos, There's it's, it's a path of the fear of the Lord and this joy as we walk in his ways. And this is the beautiful, awesome opportunity is that it's for everybody. That the, the door is open. I, I love this. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever or everyone who believes in him would have everlasting life. So so, so what, what am I saying here? I'm saying, listen, there, there is only one way to life. And his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The door is open. The gate is open to all who would come and put their faith in Him and in Him alone. The door is wide open. The narrow road, listen, the gate is here. He is the gate. Jesus is the gate. It's not just a momentary decision where I kind of get my little heaven fast pass. No, no, it's setting Him apart as Lord and setting it out on a brand new trajectory gate determines the road he is the gate and there is a road set before us ladies and gentlemen you can see right now in this world wide open is a road that leads to destruction small and narrow is a road that leads to life and only a few will find it let me pray for you father I thank you I thank you for the beauty of the gospel think about your word and you've endured civilization emperors and empires kings and kingdoms they're all gone but your word endures but I pray that we would know that you can be trusted I know a lot of your ways are gonna contradict our ways things that we want to do how we want to move how we want to respond we need to be led by your spirit. We need great wisdom in this hour. So listen, if you're here and you hear my voice, it doesn't end with a decision, but it does start with one. And if you say, man, Pastor I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. Maybe you've been playing church a little bit. Maybe you're online. You're like, yeah, I kind of tune in once in a while. But, but today you're like, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to enter that narrow gate. You know, John says this, is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. You know, that word eternal life or that phrase eternal life, it just doesn't mean, like I said, a destination later. There was a question that was asked, what is eternal life? And it's to know the one whom God has sent. It's to know Christ we see as Jesus clarifies that. So, eternal life is not just a destination later, it's a relationship now that leads us from this point all into eternity. And so, if you're here today and you say, I need to make that decision, Pastor Matt, would you pray with me? Just say, Lord Jesus. And come on, can we pray with them? If you're online, pray with us. Just say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender. I give you my life. I ask that you'd forgive me for my sins. I surrender to you. I'm entering the narrow road. Give me for my sins thank you for dying for me thank you for not forgetting about me and today i don't want to go down the wide road i'm letting go of control and i'm giving you the reins confessing you as lord over my life thank you jesus give me wisdom give me revelation Help me to navigate and be a light in this hour. I need you. I surrender. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand? Come on. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.